This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. We've been in this series called Renewal, and we've been leaning into this statement that Jesus makes from the right hand of the Father in heaven in Revelation chapter 21, verse 5. Jesus says, behold, I am making all things new. It's not, I made all things new. It's not, I'm going to make all things new. It's present tense. I am, the great I am, the one who went before Moses and before David and before Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel, the one who went before all the great men and women in the scriptures, the great I am is making all things new. And for us, I believe that promise is for today. It's for us to lean into, to embrace, to grab a hold of this new thing that God wants to do. Jesus, when he showed up on the scene, turned water into wine. He took the old thing, the container that was meant to wash feet and hands, come on, and he turned it into a brand new receptacle for new wine. It blew everybody away. No one was ready for the new thing that Jesus, the Messiah, was doing. So I want to say to us, it may not look the way you think it does. The new thing that God has for us may not look the way you think it does. The new thing that the Lord wants us to step into prophetically as a people is more about releasing a sound within a sound. It's not about information as much as it is about transformation. God wants to bring transformation to your life. How many of you guys know that more information doesn't lead to transformation? You can study the scriptures, you can memorize them, you can get a PhD in biblical studies and still be just as far away from God as everybody else. Jesus says, you, see, you search the scriptures because you think in them that you have life, but I'm here to tell you that they speak about me. They testify about me. And what's so amazing to me is that Jesus showed up in a context where young Jewish men mostly were brought up memorizing the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, committed to memory. And we complain about memorizing a verse. I try to get my kids to memorize scripture. They're like, this is so hard. I'm like, dude, you have no idea how hard it is. Try Hebrew. Try memorizing the first chapter of Genesis. Try memorizing 50 chapters of Genesis. Then add on Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And then come crying to mom and dad about how hard it is. And yet this is the culture that Jesus steps into and says, I'm going to do a new thing. And they couldn't understand because they were so caught up in what God had done and what Moses had said and what the Lord had brought them through that they couldn't grasp or understand or experience the fact that God himself was standing right there in their midst in the flesh that you could literally reach out and touch Jesus. This is my wife, by the way, so I, get the, I got the license. I'm okay. <laughs> they couldn't understand that God himself, in, in a new way, had stepped into their midst and was doing new things in new ways. He was saying things that they had heard before, but in ways that they didn't understand. Oftentimes, when God does a new thing, he builds off of what he's already said and done. He doesn't throw it away. 
or trash it or discard it. Jesus says, I'm not here to abolish the prophets and the law, guys. In fact, not one dot, not one iota, not one aspect of it is going to be erased. That's pretty crazy. And yet Jesus comes to manifest the goodness of God and manifest who God is in his heart, in his character for you and I to experience. That's the invitation that I want us to consider tonight as we get into Ezekiel 37. That's my first caveat. If you're with me, say, I'm with you, most of you. Okay, the next caveat I want to make is this. I believe the Lord is making all things new, but I believe that your ability to perceive it and understand it and grasp it and experience it is predicated, there's the right word, Jan, (laughs) on your ability to say yes and respond to what God is going to ask of you in this year. I hope you're ready because I believe we can't go back to the way things were. We can't. As much as I might want to, as much as you might want to, as much as maybe last year was good for you. I don't know. Maybe you're 2020. It was like I was the king of the world, right? You're just out there on the the edge of the Titanic with your arms spread wide open and Jack's holding you in a lovingly way. Maybe that's your story. And if it is, uh, please help the rest of us. <laughs> but if it wasn't, I, and if it wasn't, it's, it doesn't matter because God's doing a new thing tonight and he's doing a new thing. And I think that sometimes when we get caught up in the old thing, it's really hard for us to embrace the new. Why am I saying all that? I'm saying all that because I believe God is positioning us and posturing us for some new things that he wants to do in the earth this year and beyond. Are you with me? If you have your Bibles, go with me to Ezekiel chapter 37. We're going to start right there in verse 1. Verse 1 says this, And the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord, and sat me down in the middle of a valley. And it was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. Now, a couple of things we need to understand about what's happening here, so let me set this up for everybody. Number one, the prophet Ezekiel was a man who walked with God, okay? He honored God. He listened to God. He was faithful and obedient when others fell. As a result, God used him in a very powerful way. He was used as a prophetic voice to speak to the people on behalf of God. Number two, much of the way that God communicated with Ezekiel was by way of visions. Okay, here we, it says that, G, that Ezekiel was in the spirit of the Lord. When we say, or the text says, we're in the spirit, he was having an open vision, okay? And in this vision, God was taking him somewhere. I want to be really clear here. Being in the spirit indicates that Ezekiel was able to see things that other people couldn't see. He was able to see supernaturally, and he was under the influence of God's power. Are you tracking with me? Okay, he could see into the spiritual realm. I'm here to tell you tonight that there's more to this life than what we just see. There's more happening around us than we know. And Ezekiel was in tune with this. He was in the spirit. He was under the influence of heaven, and God was showing him things, okay? So this essentially made Ezekiel both a prophet and a seer. Okay, there are a lot of different ways to experience the prophetic. One of the ways that we, we see the prophetic expressed is through people that can see. Okay, Ezekiel was a seer. He could see things that others couldn't see. There are other ways to experience the prophetic. Some people feel. 
They can step into a room and they can feel things that other people can't feel. Some people are knowers. They can know things that other people don't know. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will move on me and I'll have a word of knowledge for somebody. I don't know how. I don't know why. But it's the, the, the work of the Lord on my life. So there are many different ways that we see the prophetic expressed. Ezekiel was a prophet and a seer. Number three, he was charged with the task of bringing the word of the Lord to the people. This was not a popular position. He didn't get royalties. He didn't get conference gigs. He wasn't booked. He wasn't a popular speaker. He was never a best-selling author. He brought the correction and rebuke and challenge of God to where people were. That guy is normally not popular. Just going to throw that out there. He doesn't smile a lot and tell you how to feel good about yourself. He brings things sometimes that you need to hear that sometimes are difficult to hear. Are you with me? We see this in chapter 38 and 39. Ezekiel prophesies against the ruler of Gog in the land of Magog. Fun words to say. He, he didn't just speak to the people of Israel. He actually spoke to other tribes and political parties and nations. God used him as a voice beyond his own people. That's what I'm trying to say. Number four, he prophesied about the coming Messiah and he spoke to things regarding the restoration of the temple. We're not going to get into that tonight, but it's against that backdrop that he's considered one of the most major and, and most significant prophets in all of Israel's history, okay? Because his prophetic renderings were very precise. They're very detailed. They're very specific, now, why does all this matter, okay? Well, it's important for us to understand some of the context, some of the backdrop of what God is up to in these texts so that we don't misappropriate them, so we don't say things that God is not saying. Are you with me? Okay? And as a further means, I want to caution us. As a church, I want to caution us. We need to be careful with the word prophetic. In some circles, it's a word that's thrown around far too casually, and it's used to rubber stamp. You know what a rubber stamp is? It's used to rubber stamp things that God is actually not saying in the name of being prophetic. So we need to be careful. And as your pastor, it's my heart for us to learn how to discern, okay, to tell the difference between what is of God and what isn't. Are you with me? Okay. I know when I use the word prophetic, it might elicit different reactions in this room. Some of you, depending upon your religious experience or background, might have different experiences with that word and what that word represents, especially here in Salt Lake City, where the word prophet means something entirely different. I'm not implying that I'm a prophet in the same sense that I, Isaiah or Ezekiel or Jeremiah is like I already said. I'm, I want to be clear here. What I'm saying is that what Ezekiel says has prophetic relevance for us as a church and as a people. And I've been very excited about bringing this word today because of that reason. Hebrews 4.12 tells us, for the word of God is alive and active. If you have that slide, put it up there. The word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts. This is essentially the nature and the point of the prophetic in our life. It cuts, it penetrates, it divides, it rebukes, it challenges, it searches, and it examines the attitudes of our hearts. This is what it rightfully does. With this in mind, I want to jump into this text 
I want to go back to verse 1 and I want to read it again. Verse 1, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and sat me down in the middle of a valley. And it was full of bones. And he led me around among them and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley and behold, they were very dry. So almost immediately, Ezekiel is transported by way of God's spirit to a desolate place. A place described here as a valley full of bones. I wonder if you've been there. I wonder if that's where some of you are right now. In a hopeless place. A place surrounded by death and decay and old things and old mindsets and paradigms. I believe that it's here amidst this valley of death that God performs some of his greatest work. To begin, I want to say this. I believe God wants us to discern the time and season that we're in as a church. I believe we can no longer be content just to play games. I believe that we can no longer be content just to entertain. And right now, and all throughout the world, there are people building their ministries and building platforms upon the ability to entertain you. Okay? Some people aren't here tonight because they've sought out entertainment elsewhere. And I'm not here to lay condemnation or judgment at anyone's feet. That's not my job. Number one, I'm not the Holy Spirit. But I am here to caution us and to caution you as your pastor who loves you to be careful with what you entertain and what you absorb, especially in 2021 and moving forward. I believe God wants us to take seriously the calling that he's placed before us to draw close to him. In Exodus chapter 20, we get a picture of Moses and the people being called forth from their Egypt into a place where they can encounter God afresh at the mountain. Do you remember this moment? Moses has brought the people out of Egypt. He's brought them out of their bondage and slavery. He's brought them out of the old thing, and he's been bringing them into the new thing. And the new thing doesn't look like Egypt, guys. It doesn't look like the culture of Egypt. It doesn't smell like the culture of Egypt. It doesn't have all of the entertainment of Egypt and all the exotic foods of Egypt. It doesn't offer them that. But you know what it offers them? An encounter with the living God. And so God brings them to the mountain and he says to Moses, I want you to call all the people and I want you to gather them and I want you to bring them to the mountain because I'm about to encounter them. I'm about to speak to them. I'm about to do a new thing. And unfortunately, the text tells us that the people wouldn't go. They say to Moses, you go for us. We're going to hang out over here because, see, we're good. <laughs> we're fine. We got it all figured out. Everything's all packaged together nicely for us right here. So they send a proxy, somebody in place. Listen to what the text says here. Chapter 20, verse 18. Now you guys can go there. When the people saw the thunder and the lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear and they stayed at a distance. I bolded that for a reason. Verse 19, 
And the people said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Verse 20, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people, however, remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Now, there's a lot of implications from this that we could go into tonight. But the one thing I want to say to us is this. The invitation to you tonight and throughout this year is this. Are you going to draw close to God? Or are you going to be comfortably staying at a distance? Are you ready for the new thing of God? Because if you are, then you're going to have to approach the mountain. And the mountain's a little scary. It's a little freaky. It's a little terrifying. Okay? The lightning, the thunder, the smoke, the trumpet, all of those things were, were not comfortable elements. Okay? You don't put your, your baby to sleep with that kind of music at night. <laughs> Loud trumpets. Come on. Thunder, lightning, very, very frightening me. Galileo. Anybody? No? The invitation to us is to come close. Later in the New Testament, it says, if you draw close to me, I'll draw close to you. So I want to say this to us tonight. This is a very long introduction, by the way. <laughs> I didn't have my coffee. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, this is the intro? <laughs> I want to say this to us. The invitation in what we're about to engage within this chapter within Ezekiel is this. Are you going to come close or are you going to stay comfortably at a distance? I don't expect you to answer that tonight. But as you'll see in a moment, you'll understand where I'm going. Ezekiel was in the middle of this valley of death. He's, he's surrounded by dry bones, meaning this place wasn't a place bursting with life an opportunity, and hope. It was a very desolate and dry and hopeless place. I wonder if we've been there. Some of you stand, are standing there even now, and you're in this hopeless place wondering if God's going to answer your prayer. God, are you going to answer these prayers I've been praying? Because I've been praying for a long time. And you're there, and you're wondering if he's going to come and do what he said he would do. Ezekiel stood there, not knowing why. Not knowing why he was where he was at. I'm sure like Ezekiel, he had, or I'm sure us like Ezekiel had questions. God, why? God, why am I here? God, why am I here? Not just here tonight, but God, why am I in this place? This, this place of difficulty, this place of desolation, this place that feels like no prayers are being answered and I've been here for a long time. God, why? God, why did my husband leave me? God, why did, why did my, my girlfriend walk out? God, why did my best friend take the money and run? God, why did, did my employer fire me? God, why did I go through all this difficulty? God, why? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why? You see, why is, is at the core of what it means to be human, to wrestle with why, with what's the meaning of it all, God? That's the question 
that Ezekiel had to wrestle with. And he was standing there in the midst of this valley, this valley of death, this utterly hopeless place. And to Ezekiel's amazement and wonder, God responds with a question of his own. Verse 3, and he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? For many of us today, that's the question that we are wrestling with. We're looking at our circumstances, and they don't look good. We're looking at our lives, and they don't look great. We're looking at the world and the lives of our friends and family and people that we love, and all we see is dry bones. We see our friends on drugs. We see people living without purpose. We, we see our family caught up in traps of bitterness and jealousy and greed and envy. We see people struggling with loneliness and depression and despair. What we see is a valley of bones, a valley of hopelessness. And yet, in the middle of this valley, God takes Ezekiel and he steps into his question. God, why am I here? What's this about? Could anything good come out of the situation that I'm walking in? In the same way that he's coming to us today, and he's saying, tell me, can what you see live? Can these dry bones live? In other words, is there any hope to be found? Can anything good come from the rubble of what you're standing on? of what you've been staring at and fixated upon. Can these bones live? That's the question I want us to sit with tonight. Can these bones live? Of course, Ezekiel is quick to respond. He's like, yes, Lord, only you know. Okay, God. Oh, Lord God, it says you know. And like Ezekiel, our natural inclination when we go through tough times or when we're faced with with impossibility is to say, well, God, I guess only you know if it's possible or not. And although that is true, that's not what God is asking of Ezekiel. He's saying, my child, my son, look again. Tell me, what is it that you see? Not, Not what does the circumstance look like, but what do you see? Can these bones live? Can that dream that was in your heart that seems dead and full of decay be resurrected again? Can these bones live? Like Ezekiel, God wants us to wrestle with that and to ask ourselves, what is it that we see? Not what does the people on the news see? Not what does our friends and family on social media see? Come on. Not what the experts believe, but rather, what do you see? What do you see? Can these dry bones live? I believe our answer to that question is going to define 2021 and beyond. I really do. I believe it's vital that we understand how God wants us to move forward. And the only way that we're going to do that is by grasping, by understanding, by leaning into what it is that we see. And I want to say this, what you see when your eyes are closed is more important than what you see when they're open. Son of man, can these bones live? Oh Lord God, you know. But God has more to say to us. Verse 4, then he said to me, prophesy over these bones 
and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you will live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to clothe you. And I will cover you with skin, and put my breath in you, and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God. He says, prophesy. Speak. Speak life. Speak breath. Speak hope. Speak a better word over these dry bones. Church, that's what God is calling us to to be a people that grab a hold of the word of the Lord, that are willing to step into dry and desolate, hopeless places and speak life, to speak life to people who have given up. People all around us right now. We're seeing it in our culture, people that are checking out. They're like, I'm gone. Like, I'm going to live in this entertainment world, or I'm going to live in this opioid world, or I'm going to live in this, like, numbification world where I get what I want and, and I satisfy the hunger within my soul with things and sex and power and the pursuit of wealth and all this other stuff. But those things are dry. Those things are dry and empty and full of death and more despair so God is saying to us, church, are you going to be a people that despite what happens in the world, despite what happens in 2021, despite the fact that you could lose everything, are you willing to step up and prophesy and speak the word of the Lord over your situation, over your family, over your friends? Are you willing to not give up on people that God hasn't given up on? Are you willing to speak? It's interesting here that God calls Ezekiel to prophesy. He says, prophesy and say over these bones, hear the word of the Lord. It's interesting that those two things go together, speaking and hearing. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the what? Word of the Lord. That's exactly what God is telling Ezekiel to say. Speak the word of the Lord. And what is the word of the Lord? Here it is. In the very next verse, we see it. Verse 7 through 9. So I prophesied as I commanded, and I prophesied, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone upon bone, and I looked, and behold, there were sinews, and flesh had come, and skin had covered them. So in other words, the things that God said to speak were the things that started to happen. But there was no breath in them. Forgot about that part. So God says to Ezekiel, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Don't just prophesy to the situation, Ezekiel. Don't just prophesy to the skin and the bones, but prophesy to the very thing that God wants to place inside of people. What is it? His spirit. God wants us to be full of his spirit. That's the invitation we see in Christ Jesus. It's not to just become religious. It's not just to go to church. It's not just to pay our tithes. It's not just to serve the poor. It's not just to make disciples. It's to be filled with God himself. God said, I have never thought or believed that it was my intent to dwell in Temples made with human hands. It's always been my heartbeat, my desire, my greatest passion to dwell within human hearts. 
And so God is saying to the church, come on, church, stand up. Get a spine. Get a backbone. Stop cowering. Don't worry if people think you're weird. Guess what? You're weird. And if you don't think you are, you're really weird. Because only the psychopaths think they're the normal ones. Those are the ones we got to look out for. But I'm giving you permission to embrace your God-given heritage and destiny as a son and daughter of the Most High God. It's not supposed to smell and look and appear like what we see in the world. And part of our problem is we've been trying to play catch-up. We're chasing the trends. So we try to look really cool and we try to do the music and we try to do, and we're chasing when God's called us to lead. He's called us to step up and to prophesy, to get a word in our spirit that we can release over people. Jesus, would you help us? Would you help your church in 2021? Not to back down, not to give up, not to give in, not to lay down with the bones. I'm just going to lay down with the bones. I really like this femur, (laughs) this skull. It's so pretty. I'm going to get a tattoo of it. I'm just going to lay down with the bones. Oh, God. Help us. Help us, Lord, to not lay down with the bones. Help us to not make cozy little cots in places of death when what you're calling us to do is rise up like lions and speak and prophesy a better word. Just as Jesus, your blood speaks a better word than the blood of Abel, the word of the cross, the word of the resurrected one, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the one that will fill us with his breath so that we can stand and speak to our situation, but also speak to the voice within the voice, to speak to the things that are beneath and beyond and transcendent that are limited by conversations and arguing and quarrels and CNN and Fox News and all the things that are just smoke and mirrors anyways, trying to distract you from living a resurrected life, a life of victory. No, 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 no. Come down and lay down with the bones. We got a nice little spot for you here, John. A little pillow. It's all just, no, 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 shh. No, don't, don't talk about Jesus, no. No, no, no. Just come lay down with the bones. Church, God wants us to wake up. And I'm, I'm preaching to myself tonight, but I, I hope you hear my heart and what God is trying to say to us. Verse 9, and he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Oh, prophesy, son of man. Prophesy and say to the breath. Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may Live. I want to declare over us tonight that you will live in Jesus' name. Come on. Despite what people are saying right now, you will live. Just as Ezekiel prophesied and God brought it to pass, I believe that he's going to bring that to pass for you and for me. For those of you in this room that are in your 60s, 70s, or 80s, I want to speak over you that God's not done with you yet. Stand up. Serve the Lord in your generation. Speak the word of the Lord to your friends and your family. Don't care about what they think about you. Get some spine. Come on. Get get a backbone. Serve the Lord in your generation and watch what God will do. 
Come on, guys. He used Abraham. Abraham was in his 90s. Some of you are like, oh, man, I'm, I'm almost t- it's almost time for retirement. Yeah, there's the pasture. Just send me on out. You know, I'll never be as good as the good old days. And those good old days are gone. All they are is bones. You can camp out there. You can clack bones together. <laughs> or you can step into the new thing that God has for you. Come on, guys. I don't know about you, but I want to die with my boots on, serving the Lord in my generation. To those of you in your 20s, 30s, or 40s, God's only getting started. You're just like a little toddler, just learning how to walk. And God's like, come on, let's go. An army of toddlers. Could you imagine that? I'm a visual person. I just see like a bunch of like little kids with bows and arrows like, ah! I'm sure from his perspective, that's how, how it has to look sometimes. When we're like, I'm going to do great things for God. Yay! He's got to laugh. <laughs> He's got to laugh. When I see my kids, when they were that age, I used to crack up with the things they would do. Just run in things, bang and hit their head. Just run off, bounce into stuff. And you're like, oh, you're so cute. You're figuring it out. But here's what I want to say to us. Don't let anybody despise you because of your youth. Don't let people look down on you because you don't have a college degree or because you don't have the, the, the accolades and the status. You ain't driving the Tesla yet. But don't let that keep you. Don't let that hold you back from serving the Lord in your generation, from stepping in to what God has for you right now in this season. So if you're single, praise God for singleness. Praise God that you're in a place where you have no other demands or liabilities to anyone but yourself. Yeah. Thank you, God. Please understand. (laughs) I love your enthusiasm, Jeff. Please understand. The gift of singleness is really that. It's a gift. And whether you're there for a while or come on, whether you're there for a short season, embrace it and serve your generation. Serve God in the moment that you're in, in the way and capacity that you can. For those of you that are married, part of your ministry is to prophesy over him and part of your ministry is to prophesy over her, to speak greatness to your spouse. Here's what I'm feeling. Many of us right now in our marriages, we're struggling. Some of you here tonight, You're fighting with each other and you're mad at one another and you've been mad and you're, and you're experiencing difficulty when what God is giving you is the opportunity to speak and prophesy something that doesn't exist. Some of us, when we get married, we go, well, when he or she does what I want her to do, then I'll, when they make me happy, then I'll reciprocate Oh, well, they're not doing what I want, so I'm not going to do what they want. And we play these silly little games, don't we, Candace? Oh, yeah. (laughs) We play these games when in reality what God's calling us to do is to speak life over our wife, to speak life over our husbands, to speak life over each other, to prophesy, even when they're not acting the way that we want them to act. Some of you are like, oh, if they'll just change, then I'll be nice to them. And they're not going to change. You're with the person that God wanted you to be with so that you could learn this thing called holiness, the holy rub of friction. 
You thought you got married because you wanted to be happy. And you really got married because God wanted you to be holy. And he said, guess what? She's nothing like you. Am I right, Candace? We're nothing alike. Can I just use this as a living example? Because I'm going to do it anyways, right? <laughs> We're nothing alike. But when Candace and I first got married, when we first started dating, courting, I don't know if they still use that term, but when we first got together, we met and we thought we were so alike. Didn't we? Candace was like, I met my soulmate. And he's just like me. And I went home and I told my best friend, I'm like, dude, I met the hottest girl and she's just like me. And I can't believe it. It's all I ever wanted was to be with me. <laughs> because I'm pretty great. So if you double that, it's extra great. And then you get married and you realize you're nothing alike. Who is this person? You don't like any of the things I like. We're so opposite. And yet, that's exactly how God wants it. The truth is, you wouldn't be able to live with you if you were both the same. Come on, can we be honest in this room? Imagine if you were married to you. <laughs> How difficult would it be to ever get things done? How difficult would it be to make sense of the world, right? And yet that's the invitation. It's to, to understand that we couldn't be any more different. I don't know why I'm harping on this point tonight. Some of you, I just feel like God wants to set you free. And I want to give you the permission to not see your differences as antagonistic, to not see them as uh, a reason to become combative. She's different than you. You're different than, than her. And that's okay. That's the way God intended it. If God wanted you to be like you, he would have just made Adam and Adam. Right? He could have made another Adam. All right? I'm not going to say Adam and Steve. All right? That's just wrong. <laughs> he, could have, he could have done it. He could have. Right? I mean, read your Bible, guys. He brings all the animals. And Adam's like, nope, 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 nope. Not going to work. And among the animals, the scriptures tell us, he found not a helper suitable. That's the text. And God, out of, out of Adam, made something completely different than Adam. And brought them together so they could be one. Because, see, oneness is really what the Lord wants for marriage. It's bringing two different people with two different ideas about the way the world works, different tastes, different likes, different preferences, and bringing them together to represent something more beautiful when those two are together. So I'm saying this to say prophesy. Speak life over the things that irritate you, over the things that drive you nuts. And if you have to swear, just ask God to forgive you. Just kidding. There are times where being in a marriage can be really difficult. And, and we've all been there, and some of you are still there. But I believe God wants you to embrace this principle, to speak life, to speak to the breath in your mate. God says to Ezekiel, prophesy this way. In other words, here's what I want you to say. Here's where I want you to come into agreement with what I'm saying for your life. God is giving us permission to stand essentially where he stands and to say essentially what he says. 
That's really what being prophetic is all about. It's not you coming up with some novel idea, uh, some new thought that's never been thought before and, and speaking that. You know what it is, quite simply? It's speaking what God is speaking. It's coming into agreement with his word, with this amazing Bible that God has given you. It's recognizing that you already have it. He's already given it to you. And now the question is, what are you going to do with it? Being prophetic is stepping in and speaking what God says over our situation in life, over the dry bones, over the desolate places, over the places of hopelessness. I believe this as we get ready to go back into worship. There is power in declaring the word of God over your life. There is power in it. Some of you have had a hard time with this, and I, and I get it. I totally understand it. But I want to challenge you. We've been doing prayer and fasting for 21 days. Some of you are not participating. That's okay. I still love you. We're not going to put your name up on the board or anything. But I don't want you to miss the invitation to enter into what God is doing right now in this season, to speak things over your life and over your family, over your relationships, over your finances, over your job, over your friends, that God is speaking to, that God is in. I don't want us to miss this. And the reason we're praying and we're fasting is because we want to agree with heaven. We want to agree with what God is saying over these situations. We want to come into alignment. That's really what I'm getting at. There's power in declaring the word of God over your life. There's power in prophesying and standing in agreement with what he said. And we see this right here in verse 10. As I prophesied, as he commanded me, the breath came and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Guys, I believe when we see dry bones, God sees living ones. I believe that when we see defeat, God sees a victory. I've been singing about it tonight. When we see impossibility, God sees what is possible. When we see just a few, God sees an army. So don't look at your situation as hopeless. Don't look at your situation as limited. Jonathan, you're not limited. Come on. Don't look at, at the, the place you're currently in and go, I don't know. Looks difficult. Looks tough. Come on. Where you see dry bones, he sees a living army. Where you see impossibility, God sees what is possible. And so I want to pray that and speak that over your life. That hope would come forth from this hopelessness that we experience. Verse 11, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off. Did you catch that? Behold, they say. Regardless of what your situation looks like, don't buy into what they say. They might say, all hope is lost. Don't buy into it. Don't lay down with that. Don't come into agreement with that. They might say, it doesn't look like 2021 is going to get any better. Don't buy into it. Don't lay down with it. Don't come into agreement with it. Regardless of what it looks like, let your response instead be in alignment with what we see in verse 12. And here it is. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you up and I will bring you into the land that I promised you, and you will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you up, O oh, my people. 
and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. And then you will know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and here it is. I will do it, declares the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it. Can we get to the next verse? I have spoken, there it is, and I will do it. God will do what he always says he will do. He will keep his promises, which means you can count on him. You can count on him. So regardless of what happens around us, regardless of what happens in our political systems, regardless of of where we think the country is going and whether we're in agreement with it or not, regardless of what happens, God says, I will do it. We need to get an I will spirit. We need to get this in our hearts. We need to understand that God will do what he says he will do. He is not a man that he should lie. Come on, he keeps his promises. He keeps his word. And I'm sure there are people along the way that heard this word and gave up. I'm sure there were people that heard this word and didn't make it to the promised land. I'm sure that there were people that died in the midst of God keeping his promises, but it doesn't matter. You know why? Because God keeps his promises. It may not happen today, it may not happen tomorrow, but God will do what God says he will do. He says, I will do this, Ezekiel, declares the Lord. Many of us are striving, trying to make things happen when what God is inviting us to is to come in agreement with what he says he will do. And so I want to challenge us, challenge us this year to get this in our hearts, to let this permeate our souls, that we walk through life, that we get up in the morning with a I will do it declares the Lord kind of mentality. So no matter what you're facing, no matter the obstacle, the mountain, the dry place, the dry bones, what they say, what they think, what the skeptics believe. Come on, I stopped believing in the skeptics a long time ago. Jesus had his skeptics. Oh my goodness, everywhere he went, there were people that were like, "Mm -mm, no, no, you can't do that, no. And some of you are there right now. You're surrounded by people like that. You work with them. They're like, no, 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 no. You can't do it. This is as good as it's going to get. Here's the ceiling. You'll never break through it. Anybody ever feel that way? I know I have. But God says, I will do it. That's my prayer for us, that God would raise us up that we would stand and speak the word of the Lord over our situations and know that he will do it. That for God, all things are possible. So don't lose heart. Don't give in. Don't lay down with the bones. Don't believe the skeptics. Stand where the Lord has called you to stand and prophesy what he has called you to prophesy. Speak life. Speak breath over your future over your family, over this city, over this valley, over our nation, over what God is doing. And when people say, come lay down with us over here because it's, it's nice, say, no, I'm going to stand. I ain't laying down. And when people say, well, it's just going to get worse, guys. It's just going to get darker. The world's going to get scarier. Don't get the vaccine. They're going to put a chip in your brain. Come on. You don't think that's happening? You don't think people are hearing that right now? Say, you know what? Regardless, I'm going to stand where the Lord tells me to stand. And I'm going to speak the word of the Lord that he tells me to speak. And I'm going to prophesy life. I'm going to prophesy hope to people that don't have hope. I'm going to speak over situations and dry bones and things that represent what the world says can never take place. Instead, I'm going to stand and say, he will do it. 
Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at courageouschurch.com.